Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Kicks of Crotch podcast brought to you by the Let's Chat YouTube channel. Uh, so we are finally back. I know we've had a, a few weeks off and I mean, we don't do um, this every week anyway anymore. It's every other week for the Kicks of Crotch podcast, uh, but we have had a little bit of a hiatus, mainly because we haven't been able to get the white people in place, but we do have a good span now of, um, of actual guests. Um, unfortunately, lockdown has kind of screwed a lot of us over but there we go we're back at it and hopefully you'll enjoy these uh, podcasts as always please do like comment and subscribe it does help us with the analytics um we're not going to be the biggest thing out here we're not going to go up against jack mate or anything like that but we are at least going to have some kind of a following hopefully hopefully you're following us and you're watching me right now um but there's also merch on everything else if you want to pick anything up to kind of say that you support the uh, channel you want to make this podcast bigger uh, make it so that i can actually afford a studio maybe um but yeah we are this week going to be talking about women in self-defense, um, specifically self-defense more than martial arts. So we will obviously be talking about martial arts, but self-defense is our focus. Uh, I'm here joined by uh, Lee, who has done a raft of different martial arts and various tournaments uh, from uh, Muay Thai and uh, BJJ, got into a lot of uh, big tournaments, also uh, entered into the uh, Golden Gloves, which for those who don't know is a US um boxing uh, competition so it does boxing as well and then kind of a lot of stuff that would uh, that would allow lee to have a bit more of an advantage in a uh, fight situation and far more likely to fight than flight uh, but we're going to just going to have a talk through that and um see basically what we think about women's position in self-defense and what needs to happen if anything or if there's any things that we think is wrong at the moment so lee how are you feeling Oh, it's great. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm uh, happy to discuss this topic. I know that a lot of people have some pretty controversial opinions about this, and I know that there is a good deal of division, I think, uh, amongst the various groups who have an interest in this subject. So um, I'm excited to, to kind of dive into where women in self-defense kind of fit in, in the current narrative. Yeah. So, I mean, Obviously, the first thing is both of us have a martial arts background. For those of you that haven't known, I mean, I'd be surprised if you're on this channel and I've just started speaking, you haven't figured it out. I'm a um, recognized um, self-defense and martial arts instructor. I used to run uh, a martial arts group in the UK. I am now an instructor in um, purely self-defense. I'm recognized um, by the Martial Arts Association International as a founder of a specific um, self-defense system as well. Um, and I've been training since I was four years old. So my first belting was... That sounds weird. But the first time I belted in a martial art was in judo to yellow belt in 1989. So I have been doing this for a long time. Um, and now that I'm being scruffy with a beard, I'm starting to look my actual age. So people start to believe the 30 years, which isn't great. But um, I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, so this isn't my first rodeo for this. Um, and obviously, as I say, Lee has been doing this for a long, long time as well, um, as well as a lot of other sporting things that goes along with it, but has been a lot more with tournament fighting. I previously have done some tournament fighting as well. I don't think um, as much as uh, Lee, mainly because I focused more in my tournament fights, whereas Lee has done them across different disciplines which is a bit different and i focus more on self-defense which it's very hard to do in a tournament situation uh, but we do have both have the background in um, martial arts and things like that so um was there firstly what was the first martial art for you was there one that kind of you, that was the one you went for um, I think like a lot of uh, young children, when your parents kind of want you to get involved uh, in an organization, right, to help maybe your self-discipline, your self-confidence and things like that. Um, I think that often parents enroll their children, which I don't think this is a bad thing at all. I think it's a wonderful opportunity um, in something like, you know, karate or a taekwondo situation. I was enrolled in taekwondo. I really enjoyed it. Um, for me, uh, I'm 
not a particularly large human being. Um, so I was always extremely undersized compared to a lot of my classmates as a child. I think that my parents had kind of thought that it was important for me to, uh, I think, kind of become a little bit more physically confident and competent um, because I'm, <clears throat> I'm not exactly the most naturally coordinated individual. Sports are something I put a lot of effort into to be good at um, versus where some people, you know, we all know are very naturally gifted at things. I am not one of those people. Um, so I do put a lot of work in and, and that was kind of my first exposure to uh, the, the type of uh, competition that you have with yourself as an individual um, that you kind of get through martial arts mm -hmm. was actually in Taekwondo from basically the age of like seven. So, so did you feel, did you feel that you, because obviously, as I said, we're going to talk mainly about self-defense, mm. but martial arts kind of has to come into it, really. Yeah, very few people that have only ever done self-defense. Everyone's done something to go with it. But like, where did you feel accepted? Because I know, for, for instance, if I turn up at someone's dojo, six foot two, broad guy, they just kind of go either, uh, we can fuck him about because they assume I go to the gym all the time or they just kind of go, oh, OK, you're you fit. You you're the person that's meant to be here. But like you say, you're five, two um, and female. And so is it the kind of thing where they just went, OK, we've got to deal with you. We've got to change our class now for you. Or did it was it more kind of interactive for you? Yeah. So uh, as a as a young adult, I you know, so basically from the time that you're, you know, 15, 16, you kind of are doing, you know, the the adult category in competitions. Um, you know, it's very rare that they have kind of a, a teen specific category simply because there are not enough teens essentially often entering that late. Right. So uh, I'd always kind of been competing with adults. And so when I was you know 17, I kind of decided that, you know what, I've really had quite enough of just casually doing, you know, Taekwondo. Um, you know, I had some really great experiences, went to some really big tournaments, uh, one of which was in South Korea, and, you know, just thought, you know what, I'm going to try my hand at something else. So my first experience of kind of entering into, um, I'll just say, I'll phrase it this way, um, but basically a more violent space, um, like an MMA gym, like a boxing gym, um, like properly that really focused on just those things uh, was, you know, when I was 16, 17 years old. And 100%, I was handled with like velvet gloves. Um, and that was difficult because I felt like that as a female student, and I was the only female student, um, that I had to work so much harder. I had to train hard. I had to be there early. I had to stay late. I had to do extra lessons. Um, and that the amount of time that I dedicated had to be a lot more intense than um, some of the, the men I was training with who treated it very, very casually. Um, and they definitely treated me very casually um, as though my hard work wasn't you know, as valuable and, and that my training wasn't as serious and that I as a competitor wasn't as valuable um, to our school, uh, despite the fact that I was you know, winning medals and, you know, taking brackets down and, and all sorts of things. It didn't seem to matter as much simply because I was a girl. Yeah. And, um, and that, you know, that's hard because like, you know, you're in an open category, just like men compete in open categories, which means that there is not an experience or size restriction if you uh, open into open tournament play. And um, it didn't matter that I was still winning to them. And so, yes, absolutely. There was 100% um, a barrier that I face simply uh, because uh, of my of my sex, and um, it wasn't until I really found a good place to train that I was able to integrate. 
um, and find, you know, great training partners and great instructors. But even then, as other people were coming in and out of that space, that is kind of been a constant part of my experience um, as a female who, you know, trains in various martial arts and in self-defense studies. Yeah, it's it's one of the worst things that because you expect martial arts, I think a lot of people expect it to be a bit more accepting. Um, and when you find out that actually you're having the same issue in martial arts as you do with self-defense or anything else. Now, I imagine um, the biggest issues are with things like boxing um, because it just it strikes me as... So boxing is a martial art, guys. It just is. Um, it comes from two different main bases, pugilistic and uh, Mexican style. Um, pugilistic is probably where we get the clinch from because the clinch initially actually had the result of throwing them so um but it is a martial art so but they have a very kind of it seems at least to be a much more kind of men's club and i know you've done the, the boxing as well and that there's it's that kind of persona i think that comes about from it and certain martial arts along with it did the same thing of you expect it of that i mean they tried to make i remember when they tried to do the um the karate kid for instance you had the karate kid with um with daniel and all that kind of stuff and they re, they tried to redo it they had a female karate kid basically no one remembers the fact that they did this um because it didn't have the same one it was forced it was clearly forced um rather than rather than getting someone which wasn't done as much but getting someone that that could actually do it you know cynthia rothrock was around at the time they could have instead of having mr miyagi again they could have literally got a legitimate female martial artist cynthia rothrock is well known around the world as as actually knowing her stuff to be in the film and do something but they didn't and so it just became a kind of oh we better do a female um karate kid you know make people feel better um and it just feels like a lot of martial arts do that they kind of pander to a need rather than actually answering the need you know you need to protect yourself as much as anybody else in fact depending on size and vulnerability or at least assumed vulnerability so it doesn't even matter you can have um a, a woman who can completely um, protect themselves has been doing stuff for the entire life, but they there's an assumed vulnerability from others who might want to attack them and therefore they probably need to know a few more ticks at uh, tips and tricks along the way as well so it seems very damaging to then go oh well you know cotton gloves it's okay it's okay darling you just stay over there you you watch love you know it's all right and that, uh, did you find that with boxing in particular or was it diff specifically different martial art or was it all of them I think that probably the two worst for it um, was actually yeah when I was boxing there's a real uh, machismo mentality right in a in a boxing gym um so my very first boxing experience uh keep in mind like you know i had been doing taekwondo so i wasn't unfamiliar to strikes um but obviously it's it is a completely different style uh uses your weight uh differently right so movements are different and gravity is different movements are different fine no problem um i had a lot of speed from taekwondo which is primarily speed based anyways um if we're perfectly honest with ourselves and um you know, so speed wasn't really my problem. And so when they initially uh, were training with me, I was in like 10 ounce gloves, but I was just blowing through people like a Mack truck. And that's because it was ridiculous for them to think that simply because I was a girl, I wouldn't be striking as hard as the men. Um, and so especially, you know, there are obviously men who 
you know, are basically my size. So at the time that, you know, I was training, I was less than 60 kilograms. Um, there are also men who were that size at the gym and I was significantly faster and stronger than they were, but they 100%, um, were still treated simply based on their gender as going, you know, they were, like you said, that presumption of power simply because they were male. Um, and so when, you know, we were sparring partners or when we were training and they were holding mitts, you know, working combos and, you know, on the speed bag and things, none of that seemed to, to register with them that simply because I was a female, why would I be less than them when we are literally the same size? Um, especially amongst, you know, the smaller males that I was often paired with up until the realization, I think kind of dawned on some people that I was too fast and too strong. And my technique was uh, outpacing them as we were all learning together. Just that mm. just my, the learning curve for me, because I had prior experience and I was very invested for me, the learning curve didn't seem as steep. Um, and there were people who were training it very casually. So obviously they weren't looking to progress as quickly as I was looking to progress. Um, and so it was a problem specifically uh, when I was in an MMA gym and in a boxing gym. Now, I had very positive experiences there as far as getting to work with some really amazing coaches, um, one of whom worked with the U.S. Olympic boxing team. Um, and his son is a junior Olympic boxing champion. Um, and so, you know, that was something that I had an amazing opportunity to learn from some really great experienced hands and voices. Um, but it came at a cost. And, you know, often it was that I was largely up until meeting, you know, a couple of really great individuals who recognized my investments. Um, I was often dismissed and kind of ignored and that I would get put with the new guys who came to the gym who they knew weren't super serious. I would be put with, you know, the old guys who were just kind of there all the time because this is, you know, their hobby now. Um, and I didn't really get to train with the people who were looking to progress their amateur careers um, or be investing actually in the sport somewhat professionally mm. um, up until, you know, I mean, literally months and sometimes definitely for boxing, at least a year right down the line, despite having proven myself um, in the ring and in the gym, it didn't really seem sufficient. But there was absolutely right. There was absolutely a difference in the way that I was received uh, in between moving from the boxing format into an MMA format. Um, and then finally, actually, when I moved to a BJJ gym, that was where I kind of didn't really have any issues and was accepted straight away because they have a very different take, right, mm -hmm. on on uh, gender roles in the gym, gender roles in the gym, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, no, definitely boxing and MMA were some pretty steep hills to climb as far as surpassing, um, as you said, the the perception of fragility that you have just because you are female. Yeah, I think I think I picked up on those purely because they're they're striking ones. And when mm -hmm. it's when it's seen like that, I think people always assume it. And we we've had a discussion off camera about this about when I've trained people, and the way that I strike is not expected because of my size. They're expected me to go old school, you know, the boxing end to to twist. And it's not the way I do it because my background in in strikes isn't that. It's it's batitsu, which is old school pugilist boxing, which is very different. If anyone wants to look up the difference, you'll see it's very different. Um, but that's my that's my kind of the way I do things, which is very different. And it doesn't use my my kind of it doesn't use that kind of machismo way of looking at it as much as the other ones. Um, and striking ones always seem to have this against 
um, women being there almost. Whereas the one time when I've seen women treated basically, as, sounds wrong saying it, but as equal because you are, is is in judo. So similar background, because um, anyone that doesn't know, BJJ and judo are both um, derivations of Japanese jiu-jitsu. So they come from the same background. So it, it's that, it's, it's clearly from that lineage is why that's the case. Um, and I, certainly in, in judo, you you fight everyone. Like uh, we used to do it when, um, if you had a, a, a an issue with someone during it, or if you were mucking about with someone during it, you fought them at the end of the, the um, session. And I remember literally when I was a teenager, basically trying to flirt with someone um, next to me. And my, my sensei just went, okay, you two are fighting at the end. Because I was a fucking idiot, you know, um, boy, teenager, I did the same as what most guys do in a dojo or in the gym or anything else. I just kind of went, well, I don't need to worry about this. And just effectively was just checking her out. And then I found myself flying through the air. Um, <laughs> I was a higher belt than her by some way. Like, <laughs> so I was quite well. And um, yeah, I remember just walking down the, the line because obviously you're in, in order in July, and they're just walking down kind of going, yeah, that, that shouldn't have happened, should it? Um, but it is, and I mean, even even there, so there was um, there was equality, or at least egalitarianism there, but even inset with that was my predisposition to think, yeah, but I'm, I'm a guy, so it doesn't matter. And it, it does come along with a lot of it, where um, I, when I instruct um, people, the biggest issue that seems to come up is that I don't care if you're male or female. I don't care how you identify you all will fight against each other. You will all train against each other. So fight, maybe the wrong way of putting it, but you will all train with each other because you aren't necessarily going to be attacked by someone who is the same sex, the same size, anything else. So if you're there and you're a six foot four, 30 stone guy, I expect you to train with the five foot two, you know, 10 stone girl. I don't care. It's not, it, it's not up for debate. It's not a kind of, oh, well, I don't want to, I don't fucking care. If that's what I'm telling you to do, there's a reason behind it because if you're that person and there's that perceived vulnerability, that's the kind of thing you can expect. Um, and it, it is it is somewhat worrying that that's, but it is built into people's heads of like, oh, but you shouldn't expect to do that. Why? Why shouldn't I expect you to do that? Why shouldn't I expect you to be able to defend yourself against someone else? You know, I mean, the obvious way it shows as well in in entertainment entertainment and fighting is ronda rousey ronda rousey was clearly well above everyone else if you actually look at the martial arts that everyone did they were all the striking martial arts ronda wasn't ronda was judo which again as we said judo bjj have that different attitude of you fight everyone and she'd been to japan and fought against men in the dojos she had been olympic she had done that she had actually not had this gender stereotype against her as much at least anyway and so she just ran through everyone i mean she won the um the world championships in 12 seconds you know it, the champion was nothing before she was and you kind of see it related that actually when people are always assume and go oh yeah but it doesn't matter well actually even against other other women it clearly has an impact um i mean was there anything where you where you felt that you were just unprepared because of it or was it just you know you wanted to progress but was it that you know when you start to think about it because I'm, I'm i'm guessing there was for, for me it was when i became homeless at one point but was there a point at which you started going 
this is now self-defense and then you found yourself worrying more or was there more of a progression with it um i was very fortunate that one because i've always been pretty physically confident um that oftentimes when I found myself in precarious situations, uh, which I have done on multiple times, that the transition right in between is, you know, how I'm using my martial arts experience for self-defense changes immediately. Mm. Um, I personally always had kind of treated martial arts as not for the purpose of sport, but for the purpose of self-defense. Um, like I said, I was always really small. I didn't have a great experience being small. Um, it does in fact make you a soft target right? It makes you an easier victim. And I know that that sounds terrible, but, you know, the people who are perpetrating crimes against other individuals, right, and choosing to assault them in a variety of ways are not picking on people like Adam here. Um, he's too big, it's too difficult, and it carries too high a risk. So no matter how people want to think about this, there is a risk assessment that is done essentially before the act happens. Um, and if you're someone who will carry a lower risk assessment, i.e. because of your size, because of your gender, because of the time of day, because of the location, all of those risk factors that go in to kind of when and where and why crimes happen, which, you know, the statistics are out there. Anyone is welcome to go and investigate those, you know, to their heart's content, that you will see trends. And the reason that those trends exist is because of these perceived vulnerabilities, right? And so, uh, for, for me personally, the transition between why I was learning martial arts and why I chose to continue pursuing that um, and ensuring my own physical competency was based solely right in the desire to be able to basically handle it. Um, and even if that came at a physical cost, i.e. when things are going wrong, they're going to go wrong. Don't ever expect it to be perfect. It's going to be a mess. It's always going to be a mess. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, and like yourself, I also spent some time, right, homeless, living in my car in really difficult situations. And so um, as a female, there are sometimes additional risks um, that come along with that. And so for me personally, choosing to invest a lot of my time in saying, okay, well, where am I lacking? Where is this a problem? Um, actually is what partly led me into BJJ in the first place um, because I found that while I was very competent on my feet and you know essentially evading and in striking there reaches a point where you know like you said there's that one lucky shot they only have to be lucky once mm. you know you have to be good enough <clears throat> excuse me the entire time yeah. you can't guarantee that um, and and so uh, for me in I started studying BJJ in 2010 um, and in 2011, I did experience something that really seriously tested that, um, seriously tested that, um, where a friend and I were both extremely vulnerable, <clears throat> walking basically just from having left a bar, headed to a nightclub to meet some friends in a major city, um, and we were followed out by a group of men. Uh, now, granted, they were also intoxicated. We were slightly intoxicated, um, but there absolutely came a point where, you know, my friend was severely injured. Um, I experienced a pretty intense set of injuries in the process of defending us, um, where 
it had escalated to the point where our vulnerability uh, was preyed upon by this group. We were absolutely outnumbered in an isolated and poorly lit situation where there was no one around. This is what we get for shortcutting instead of doing all the normal things that you're supposed to do. Stay in these well-lit places, be around loads of people. We didn't do any of that. We didn't do any of that. We were like, oh, look, the map says we could cut through here. We should do that. Oh, stress. Do as, do as I say, not as I do. That's the, that's the answer there, kids. 100%. 100%. <laughs> so um, there, there was a point where I was just like, all right, I had to take this a little bit more seriously because for all my stand-up and for my, even my, I think at that point I'd been training for like six months in, in BJJ, um, you know, it wasn't enough despite having years of, of help to be able to cover my friend cover myself and and handle basically the three to five gentlemen because it started at five and then we dwindled to three um to handle the situation and if it had not been for my uh friends who i was training with who were like huh we were uh, supposed to they were supposed to be here wonder where they could be let's go check oh gosh we hear a we hear a bit of a kerfuffle happening over here let's go yeah. investigate had it not been for their personal courage to come and insert themselves in that situation and also to help protect us um Honestly, things were not going particularly well. And um, so uh, it was at that point that when I began to reapply myself, um, that I trained that much harder um, and that I really asked people to really test me uh, in a way that I felt that maybe they hadn't been. Mm. Um, and, and I think that that they felt was probably out of a kindness, um, probably not wanting to essentially scare the girl off because I've been, I've had that situation in a lot of gyms where they're like, no, 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 don't scare the girl away. Don't scare the girl away. You got to be nice to her. Don't scare her away. I'm like, if I didn't want to be here, I wouldn't be here, gents. Yeah. Everybody take a deep breath. Um, but I do also know that having spoken to other females that they have been scared off gyms. So I think that it's kind of twofold because I was someone who was in a headspace where I wanted to be there. It's different. But if you are someone who's already a little bit insecure about coming into that sort of very uh, male dominated um, arena, essentially, that it can be very frightening um, and, and intimidating. It's, it's, it's an interesting one because I am, I am on the harsher side of it. Um, as those that, that know me, any of my students out there, hi, um, will we'll, we'll know that I kind of go with the attitude of if they're going to be scared off, they're going to be scared off. Um, I don't want to have those kitten gloves on at all because to treat somebody differently even from day one to me is bullshit and you're you're putting people in for a falsehood if you're being nice at the beginning so that you can be harsher later only if that's progressive and that's what you do with everyone um if you're doing it specifically because it's the you know don't don't scare the girl off kind of thing it's just bullshit it just doesn't work for me because at some point that person will always be scared of them um and you know i anyone that was listening into that that i've taught before will, will realize that i've said you know don't treat them any differently you, you can't because if you're if you worry about that if you're doing it differently and you're not being as as aggressive then you're not doing any favors you know when you, when people train together you're not doing your friendly favors by not really trying so many times i see friends and i try and split friends up that are you know that will just be nice to each other they won't really go for it because oh yeah but it's my friend i don't fucking care in in real life you need to understand this stuff you need to understand this stuff outside and it's it's very difficult and you do have that kind of oh let's be nice to each other way of thinking for a lot of a lot of gyms and it is it is very worrying um you know it i think we've had kind of similar 
um, issues as why we've we've gone to self-defense more specifically. Um, I mean, I, I still train, I know you still train in, in martial arts as well, but like um, I've gone more specifically, like it's just self-defense um, rather than martial arts. And then it's dabbling a bit differently, but it's very similar kind of background of, you know, there's there's been an incident and it, now it's changed. It's very rarely where you just kind of go, hmm, I wonder what this being a complete dick to each other and and uh, and fighting a bit harsher is like. It's not generally like that. You kind of have an epiphany of some kind. Um, but it is it is worrying that, um, like you say, you have that automatic assumed vulnerability because, as you say, there are very few people that on a night out, even if I look at the state I'm in now, where I don't necessarily look the fucking best, are going to go, oh, yeah, you know what we're going to do? That's six foot two guy with broad shoulders that you know clearly can can probably handle um himself yeah let's go and pick on him it isn't gonna happen it just isn't um you go oh look there's the girl that's the way you think about it and and i'm i'm using the word girl almost purposely derogatory there before anybody makes a comment because that's not my opinion that's how the attacker will think is it's just a girl that's the way they think about it because that's the thing I get all the time is people going, yes, but in real life, I won't be fighting you. I won't be fighting. Like you don't know who you're coming up against or how much of a dick they are. So you've got to be, you know, proactive with what you're doing here. Um, and it, it can be really kind of worrying that there is that vulnerability um, put in. I mean, we, I spoke to you about off camera about a friend of, well, a friend was a student, now a friend. Um, who basically, when I was training them the first few weeks when they were they were training under me, um, they actually got attacked soon um, after they started training. None of the blokes, I think, for at least when I've been teaching in universities for... God, I've been teaching university for like six years now. Huh. But when I've been teaching in universities, there's been two, three attacks on men and that's been relatively recently um but the first ones females been attacked always because they're smaller so even if you don't um even if you kind of go with the idea of oh well it's not because they're female okay fine but generally you're also smaller the average height of a man in the uk is five foot nine the average height of a um a woman is five foot six i i'm talking of course in in uh, cisgendered roles there but um even if you go outside of that and you don't go according to gender, um, gendered roles, you, you, there's um, shown statistics on those that are seen to be feminine because there's an ass assumed vulnerability in that um, way of, of going forward. And what people have got to remember is this: these aren't things that I'm saying to be to be directed or anything like that. It's it's the person that's attacking you. You have to train like the person attacking you is an arsehole because they are, that's kind of the point. So um, being nice to someone in training, just because they happen to um, be female or identify, um, you know, uh, they're cis female, identifies female, whatever it is, that's not gonna help in the long run. It's, it's really quite dangerous in the long run when you get to things like that. Um, yeah, so I mean, obviously we, we um, disagree on, on what the best martial art is, which I think is, is healthy because that's kind of a good thing. The one thing we don't disagree on, um, as we've discussed, though, is that we should be doing multidisciplinary stuff. Um, as you say, you had a, a lot of um, standing game and you've been to other stuff. For me, I had 
um, a lot. I, I was actually the other way around. For me, I started with judo. I had a lot of grounds um, work and things like that. I didn't have as much striking. I had no idea how to throw an elbow, anything like that up close. I couldn't do that. Um, and then that changed when I was 16, 17. Um, so about the same age as you, I kind of switched it the other way. But um, do you think it's important? I know you do, but do you think it's important to, to kind of mix that up? And especially important if you're female. Am I being assumptive there? I think this is important for everyone, but is it more important if you're female to be able to do the, the harsher side of it? So, you know, guys tend to rely on their strength after a point but because of the likely um reason for attacks do you think that there should be um a need for a harsher way of doing things even beyond what men would generally do if you're female absolutely so the one thing um that i've always kind of said is that you always have to be prepared to do real violence when real violence is brought against you and i think for a lot of people um the one thing that I think sometimes we do have to contend with is obviously it is more likely also um, for females to have past traumas related to violence. I'm not saying it's unlikely for males. I'm just saying that, you know, statistically it is reflected that females do experience high levels of violence right throughout their lives. Um, and so whether that be physical, emotional, or sexual violence, this is what the, this is what the statistics bear out. And so, I think that when real violence is brought against you, you have to be prepared to bring real violence, right, uh, as a reciprocal action. And I think that that is one thing that is lost um, in the, the communication we are working with females in self-defense, is that it is not enough, right, to, to say, get your keys out and have your phone ready. It is not enough to say, what if this, you know, man grabs you, you know, scream and try to run away? Like, you need to be prepared for a, a literally life-changing eventualities. And that means contending with consequences with, you know, trigger warning here. Um, we're talking about levels of sexual assault and rape. We are talking about murder. We are talking about grievous bodily harm. Because statistically, this happens to women more right? And it is intentionally done to women more. And so to con combat, and it is to use very uh, aggressive language, I use that intentionally, to combat that level of violence, you have to be taught and prepared to do real violence. You also need to be prepared mentally and emotionally, right, for if you reach the final consequence, right, when you are, again, you know, precipitated all of this with a trigger warning if you have been essentially out for a run and dragged off the path right by a male perpetrator who intends to 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 rape and sexually assault you you need to be prepared for when he is between my legs what am i doing right what am i thinking about um and you know you also have to then think about okay well i don't know you say you like the harsher approach um, I used to host a lot of uh, self-defense courses for women that dealt with kind of these final eventualities. Where are we when everything has gone wrong? When all of the right things that you hear about, you know, on the Oprah program or all the kind of flashy, you know, oh, basic things, get your keys out type programs haven't worked for you and you've been dragged off the path and there is no one here to help you. Where are we? Um, and so uh, I think that 
preparing women right with those types of conversations you also have to be a little bit prepared to handle their past traumas um and and to contend with the fact that that is probably there again statistically yeah but like 75 percent of women have experienced quote-unquote real violence and real violence qualifies as kind of quite a high level of violence whether that be spousal abuse abuse as a child sexual abuse um these types of things um and so if 75% of the female population has experienced uh, this type of trauma, then your re-education, and it is a re-education of women um, and their ability to to defend themselves and and to sustain their life when there is no other viable option except violence, then you have to prepare them for that moment. And so I do agree with you in the sense that like there needs to be a, a realer, and more grounded discussion with women uh, specifically about the reality that they face. Because I think that while a lot of us know that this is true, uh, and obviously statistically many of us have experienced this level of violence, I think that as a society, we compartmentalize a lot of that. Because if we faced that reality um, as head on as we ought to, it would mean that we would have to be accountable and responsible for making changes. And that's obviously not gonna happen. So because that's not gonna happen and it isn't happening, um, no matter how much we would like it to, no matter how much conversations are changing, none of that has resulted in the changes that would manifest in a way to protect women in any sort of real way. So therefore, I agree with you in that, in speaking to women and instructing women and teaching women, right, that it has to be for the worst case scenario. Yeah. It has to be for the final eventuality. So, um, you know, in the things that, uh, when I was living uh, in Georgia, right, in the United States, um, the gym that I was at was in Alpharetta. And it is very much an upper middle class white woman district, okay? And that is largely who came to a lot of our classes at first. Um, until we um, started essentially offering a shuttle service um, to bring women in from essentially outside communities to help them, you know, come to these courses. And we started doing satellite programs and things like that, um, where we kind of heard about very different levels of trauma and experiences. And so therefore the program changed and adapted to say, look, the reality is this here. Um, The reality is this here. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if, the, if the woman who's going out to the to the, you know, public sh- to the whole good shopping center, right, is different than the woman who is shopping at the food lion. Um, and those are just kind of like bottom in food chain versus top in food chain. Right. And so they're having very different experiences. Um, so while I do think that women uh, need to be handled differently, I think that the way that I say that w- women need to be handled differently is not necessarily that they need kick gloves. I think it's just that you have to be prepared to address the trauma that women experience at the hands of society, um, as well as prepare them for more trauma. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so. I mean, the, the first thing you said there, I'm going to um, break some myths for anyone that's fucking wondering. This, this stuff pisses me off so much. Um, three things there. Don't ever get your fucking phone out. So there's, there's, this is perpetuated bullshit that if you get your phone out, you'll put someone off if you go, oh, my boyfriend, or whatever. The problem is, especially if it's an attack from someone who's a potential rapist, is um, rape isn't about sex. It's got fuck all to do with sex. If, if the person, all they wanted was sex, they have some money they can go and sit with a prostitute. That's not about sex, it's about power. If you get your phone out, 
basically they now have even more power over you because they have the ability to attack you whilst you're on the phone to someone. It is the exact opposite. The trigger actually is the exact opposite. They're more likely to do something and more likely to do something far worse because you have a phone. It is not the answer to get your phone out. I know it's what's taught. It's bullshit. Um, the other thing about, I know that people are taught um, this and people will still argue with me that it's, no, this is the right way of doing it. But statistically, um, every bit of fucking research shows this is wrong. Do not shout fucking fire. Shout rape. Fire doesn't work in every single bit of research. And there is no, like with most things, there's at least one bit of research that says otherwise. There's no research none that says that men respond or women or whoever is about respond to the word fire more than they do to rape it is an assumptive thing it was brought about during the 60s and 70s because it was an assumptive um attack and need from feminism and i don't have an issue with feminism anyway but that bullshit really annoys me because no you need to tell people what's fucking going on you need to say to people i'm being raped i'm being attacked shout that scream swear Actually, swearing comes out um, more. The, the, the research does show that if you swear, you're more likely to be responded in the kind of shocked swearing. You know, what the fuck are you doing? You know, actually kind of going like that, you're more likely to be responded to because that, that's just the way it is. But do not shout fucking fire. And the, the other one is the um, getting the keys between the hand. Now, there's a few issues with this. One of them being in the UK, technically, that's illegal because you are going into a situation with a weapon which you can't do in the UK. You just can't. I know everyone's been taught, oh, we'll do that. It doesn't matter. Also, what fucking good is that going to be if I attack you from behind? It's not going to do anything. It's, it's no good to me. Yes, if they are right in front of you, right there and they stand still for a second and you can punch them in the cheek. Okay, now you've really pissed them off because it's about that fucking long for a key. Okay, it's no good. Okay, there's a lot of other things you should be doing. You should be relying on yourself more than that. If that becomes your relying, if all you have been taught is, oh, well, I better make sure I get my phone out, get my keys ready, and then I'll shout fire. It's not a good idea. Don't believe the perpetuating bullshit that's brought forward. There are better ways of dealing with it. Martial arts and self-defense specifically are the ways to do that. That's my high horse. Um, the other thing is- Ride right, that horse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is what about, um, about um, teaching self-defense to, um, to women. The, the, the bigger issue um, that I do, I am on the harsher side. I do think, um, as I say, that you need to be taught the reality of it. You, you don't get kicked gloves. But as you pointed out there, the one thing, especially for me, and I think other male instructors who have my size, um, um potentially are much older than the people they are training need to realize is we're the people they're frightened of yeah. and that's an issue i've had people that i've trained who have been the victims of rape I, the, the first session they've said to me like i am I, I this is what i've been through have um been the victims of sexual assault and some of them they won't tell you that but statistically you know you have a you have a class of 100 people um half of them are female you know there's a good majority of them because of our fucked up society that have been sexually assaulted. And it, you need to be aware of this because if, for instance, you are going to get on top of them to teach them something, you might literally cause them to have a flashback. And that is not good in any way, shape or form. You're causing them trauma by trying to train them at that point. You need to talk to them. You need to sit down with them. And the, the, the problem is, is that you shouldn't also go please tell us if you've been under sexual assault because that's not how you fucking do that either you've got to assume that of every woman there that's the problem with society in a fucking general that you should assume that from every woman there that there is some issue where that has happened 
So if you are a self-defense instructor or something like that, that is far used, far more used to being up close, you check if that's okay. If I'm teaching a, um, a choke, if I'm teaching anything like that, where I'm literally up very close with that person, I need to check first. If I'm pairing people off, I will make sure that they are comfortable with that. If it's that kind of thing. I like to pair off with people so that they are pushed. But if I feel that, you know, some, somebody like myself has to be with somebody Lee's size, I'm going to be there going, look, this is what we're doing. Is this okay? If they say no, you fucking respect that. You don't, you also don't give up on that. So what you need to um, do is talk to them and explain the reasons behind it and things like that. You do not force them to do it, especially not in that session. You do need to have a discussion with them and say why at some point it would be good for them to be able to do that. You need to explain, look, I'm not going to ask you about your background. However, this is the reason, because this is the kind of person that may attack you. Blah, blah, blah. You need to go through this stuff, but you don't immediately go, well, fucking deal with it. You can, you know, you can be harsh and kind of go, right, well, this is the way it's going to be. You know, we're doing strikes, things like that. That's the way this is going to happen. You can still be harsh, but you can't just go, don't care. You know, we're doing we're doing um, stuff when you get on top of you. Oh, well, you know, you're, you're with that person. Roll, fucking do it. If they if you've said to class to, to mix around and you haven't put anybody specific together, you're saying, right, everyone mix around every so often and they go, I can't do this. You go, OK. You don't say anything else. There's plenty of fucking McDojos out there that will say otherwise. Fuck right off. Um, you need to be aware of it. So you can be harsh, but you can also be um real at the same time like you you have to assume it of um of of, of statistically that that's going to be an issue there may be people um from all walks of life and all sizes um shapes whatever that have had the issue um and, and that's the same thing if somebody says they can't do it you can you you discuss it with them but ultimately it's their fucking choice you know you can be an asshole being an asshole is kind of my thing for for, for teaching um and i will be but at the end of the day, if somebody plain refuses because, you know, they're getting up, up close and personal in the way that you're training, that's it. You have to say to them, look, at some point, I do think this is important for you, as I have done. My students will, if you're watching, will know that I've done this. But at the end of the day, you either need to be real with them in the kind of this is going to happen at some point if you wish to learn this. And this is the reason. Um, or you say, look you're not going to get as much out of this. This may not be the right class for you if that's the way that your class is run. Don't carry them on with false hope of, well, this is going to work for everyone if you haven't been able to train it. You need to be realistic as well as understanding. And it's a, I know it's a fine line to go along, but the problem is it has to happen because women do need to be able to defend themselves. At the end of the day, it's got to happen because the whole fucking reason that you have to be um worrying about this is because of the fact that they need to be able to defend themselves that's the problem it, it, it's it's a, it's a problem of society of course but it's it's your problem you're the instructor you need to fucking deal with it um i get pissed off with so many mcdojos that just don't do anything about it. they won't have a discussion they won't check if someone's okay you know when there's if training is working out okay with everything and there's somebody um sitting down i'll be like okay you okay is everything all right do you need to talk you know it doesn't it doesn't matter even sometimes what you say as long as you're actually pointing out the fact that you know they're there they're in a safe space they're okay you know make sure they realize that they're safe you know 
I always have the the the, the thing of like you can be addicted to each other um, with a lot of things. Um, the the one obvious one in a lot of um, martial arts is the double tap. I am zero fucking tolerant of people that don't let go on double tap. Double tap is it. You're you let the fuck go. That is it. I don't care. You let go. Um, and and there can be situations like that. You can have some kind of word um, that people are aware of that they should use or whatever it is. You need to put that into your training for your classes, because if you're not, you're you're potentially causing a massive amount of trauma for people that are the most vulnerable or have been the most vulnerable at some point. Um, yeah, <laughs> kind of, I get so irritated because people never do it. Um, and it's it's just wrong. It's just wrong. Um, I will say, obviously, men and women do need to train together. Though. That's the biggest one for me is they do need to train together. and They do need to receive um, the same amount of pressure. Um, and it, it needs to be it needs to be like that, because that's what I mean about having a discussion, because without that, you're you're just giving someone false hope. If you only put um, small, petite females with small petite females and then go oh well you're a bit bigger you're with the bigger the bigger um, women and you did the same with guys no one's fucking learning a goddamn thing because you you're not attacked by generally someone that you're same size if you are it's a drunken friday night but the reality is as um lee said especially if you're female and guys yes guys get attacked but statistically more and for different reasons it's going to be um, for females, far harsher attack. It's going to be a, I say harsher, a far more traumatic event in terms of a sexual assault, um, statistically more likely. And that's something you need to deal with. Now, the, the, the worst thing, the thing that really gets to me, and I think this is a, a, a flashback of society, is um, the comment that I get so often from um, women that I train is, yes, but isn't that a bit harsh when I show them what to do with someone? And you're kind of going, why is it that we haven't we haven't been honest with, with women because that to me that's that's the thing we haven't been honest with them enough to go look this is possible we don't want it to be possible it shouldn't be this shouldn't fucking happen but it is possible and if you're not really harsh back if you're not prepared to really damage this fucking dickhead then this could happen um we don't it doesn't seem like we've been honest with them i don't know what you're kind of thinking is there yeah, no, that is exactly in, in line with what I think about, like, you have to prepare yourself to do real violence against real violence, right? Mm -hmm. That is precisely what I believe. Um, and I think that a lot of people, until they've actually ever struck someone, uh, they don't know what that feels like. Until you have felt the pressure of someone else's weight against you, um, where you're fighting gravity, you know, your own physics of being in the position that you are against someone's pressure right which is going to be downward pressure keeping you there you don't really understand what it's like to be struck you don't understand what it's like to be forcibly restrained or held um, until you're in that situation where it's being applied and there's very little that you can do about it now do you want that situation to happen in a controlled and safe environment like the gym or do you want that situation to be happening, you know, where things are really have spiraled out of control and you are in imminent danger? Those are very different scenarios. So do I want to 
have that scenario essentially enacted in a controlled space like a gym? Absolutely. Do I want to know what that real pressure feels like? Absolutely. Um, when I get into the real world, then it's not as scary, right? So a lot of people, when they start, uh, I would say just kind of like ground game generally, whether that be in judo, jujitsu, you know, wrestling, American wrestling, Greco Roman, or anything like that. The one thing that you learn about is how to manage and control your breathing, right? When under physical pressure and duress, it's very different than controlling your breathing in a stand-up game, right? It's extremely different pacing and the way that you have to contract and use your, um, you know, like the, the muscles in between your rib cage, which I think a lot of people underestimate how strong they are, you know, to kind of support your ribs so you don't lose a lot of your breath and air. Um, these are things that come not necessarily through instruction, but just experience and practice, right? So just feeling what someone's pressure on top of you is like and what then you have to do to, in order to kind of sustain yourself under pressure. Those are learned skills. That's not something that someone teaches you. Or if I say, hey, do you know what it's like to like tense your chest? You'd be like, oh, I'll just flex my pecs. And I'm like, no, like the muscles in between your ribs, do you understand how to engage those? The answer is going to be no, because most people are like, I have muscles between my ribs. And I'm like, what do you think we eat off pigs? Jesus Christ. But that in learning to engage different parts of your body, just like we talk about stabilizing muscles and all of these other things in just like regular sport and workouts, right? It's the same in martial arts. So you have to both train your, your body and your mind in a variety of ways. And you want to do that in a space that you're able to do so rather than in a, in a zero or hundred outcome, right? I don't want something to be do or die. Um, I definitely want to have the opportunity to tap and try again. Um, and, and I think that that is just so misunderstood. Like you said, breaking up friend groups don't, you know, let people who train together all the time always train together because then you learn each other's habits and patterns and routines. So you have to ruin that because otherwise that messes everything up. And so I think that having a little bit more of a, of a grounded and realistic approach rather than just kind of letting women just be comfortable and not preparing them for the fact that, look, if someone is doing violence against you, you have to throw all of these feminine constructs about the fact that women aren't mean, that women are nice, that women don't do violent things out the window. Because if someone brings violence against you, you need to enact reciprocal violence. Um, and that is the long and short of the event. And so as someone who has both experienced real violence and also reciprocated violence um, in the real world and in very competitive spaces, because again, you go to tournaments and, you know, despite what people say, people are bringing real violence, you know, oh, that lovely shit happens in tournaments, yeah. Absolutely. You know, people are bringing real violence. I have seen arms broken, knees ripped out, shoulders torn out. Um, you know, people holding chokes for too long. I mean, lots, lots of real violence. We think, well, gosh, this is it. I have to do something about this right now. Or my world is tunnel vision is happening. Like this is incoming. Um, but I think that if we are not preparing to do real violence in training uh, with, again, consenting and aware partners, again, still with control, still under direct supervision, but that if those conversations aren't happening, and that that training isn't happening at a high enough level and consistently enough, then ultimately all of that time and money and energy that you sunk into going to, 
you know, self-defense courses or martial arts classes or the boxing gym is wasted. It is wasted because it takes a lot of, of mental strength and maturity to uh, control yourself as much as you can in an out of control situation. And if you are not preparing for that, and if you haven't thought to yourself, right, if someone does X action, what is my, again, equal and opposite reply, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have two forces, like this is exactly, this is literally just look at it the same way. And so, you know, especially as far as the legal parameters are concerned, right? You have to essentially be able to exact reciprocal force um, in, in order to keep yourself out of trouble. And, you know, that's a very fine line to walk. Um, but that does mean that, guess what? If somebody brought real violence, you have to also bring real violence and that there is no other way around it. Otherwise, you know, you will continue to kind of find yourself in a bad way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to to, to back up the, the kind of tournament thing, I know a lot of people just, um, they kind of go, oh yeah, but you've never, you've never actually tested anything if you've just been in a normal martial arts um, tournament. That's just bullshit. Um, like I've been at judo tournaments where one of my, um, one of my, uh, senseis actually had his ribs broken outward he was five feet away from me and all i saw from his gi was that that's fucking horrendous to see that's the that's the worst injury not the worst injury but it's the worst injury that sticks in my mind of seeing someone's ribs crack outwards it's fucking horrendous um but yeah it's real violence is needed as as we said the um the idea of um self-defense in the uk is uh, reasonable force which basically means you can reciprocate up to and including what you expect to happen to you. Um, and I think the problem that we have, especially with um, the way we teach um, women at the moment, the whole kind of, if you get your keys and your fingers, you're going to be fine, all this kind of bullshit, is complacency. It's this idea that um, I know enough. I know enough. I'm, or, or I'm, or let's, let's go with the even older fashioned bullshit of I'm with my boyfriend. It doesn't matter. And I, I mean, I've, I've literally had a past um, ex-girlfriend basically say to me oh you'll defend me in any kind of situation I'm like yeah but why the fuck can't you defend yourself like and they didn't want to train with me they didn't want to to be, do that because it wasn't it, it it wasn't kind of right for them you know that kind of stuff and it's the problem is is complacency is an issue for fucking everyone like i the first ever boxing uh, match i went into i was winning for about 20 seconds but the problem is is that my background is bare knuckle old school pugilistic boxing if my hand is now having to be basically kept open and has massive padding in it, I cannot exert that same force. I just can't do it. It's because it's not, it, my body doesn't work the same way. I can, I, I, I'm, I've not got that same impact as I had before. So I was complacent about the fact that, well, of course I can hit, of course I can do this. Get in a box. Oh shit. Oh, the other person hits like a fucking freight train. Fantastic. And you, you just, even in like sporting things like that, you're complacent. And bigger guys can be complacent and girls and women and everyone else can be so complacent. It's kind of, well, we've been taught that this is going to work. So that's it. The bullshit that we get taught, like the fucking Daily Mail has some. They've shown a line <laughs> about about um, they had a young girl trying to defend herself against a guy that was in his 40s. And the whole idea, the thing that pisses me off the most is and um, this is another myth to try and um, break here. Kicking someone in the balls isn't necessarily going to work, especially depending on how you do it. Because 
MMA fighters, rugby players, American football players, all of those people that probably have been hit there before, yeah, it'll fucking hurt. But if you're in grabbing range, they'll grab you and hold you until it doesn't hurt as much anymore. They don't just drop. It's not a fucking cartoon. They will go, right, fuck you, grab you and hold you, and you are not going anywhere. Now they're pissed off. It doesn't work like that. It's just not fucking true. It's not real. You need to be, you need, you need to kind of realize that, that, you know, we get, we can get complacent. And like I say, the Danny Mal one basically had this girl kick this guy between the legs and then go with her arms up when he was strangling her arms up and just drop them down. And in the words of the fucking video for the Daily Mail, because that will, um, because that means there'll be enough force to get them off. No, it fucking won't. It's a 12 year old girl and a 40 year old man. I could do the one fucking hand and it's not coming off. That's not how it works. Stop teaching bullshit. And this is what this is the, the thing as well that we've been talking about is the actual violence needed because you get to complacency. You have, okay, I mean, the Daily Mail is bullshit anyway. I'm sorry, guys out there. It's full of bullshit. It's not real. It's crap. Fuck right off. Daily Mail, fucking come at me. I really, I would love it. Um, especially for the martial arts stuff because I've got a, a complete industry behind me. Um, they, t- they it's, it's reinforced bullshit and that's the problem because um when not only are we not teaching um proper force but we're also then teaching the bullshit the other way and we're making people complacent in how they are and going yeah but that's going to be okay and as i said someone like me who i'm not used to boxing but i thought fuck it i'm gonna step in the ring i'm now a lot better but the first time i stepped into that ring i got smacked about because i wasn't used to being able to hit like that. I assumed that I'd still be able to hit the same way. My fucking brain didn't kick in there at any point to go, it's not bare knuckle, you dickhead. But it's that's the problem. You know, it's complacency can happen to anyone. And if we're literally teaching young girls that this is the way to defend yourself and we've got the backing of, of things like that, that's the problem. We get complacent. We don't go, you know what? No, this is the shit that's going to actually have to happen. Or we go, you know what? We can't actually show you what you'd have to happen on a, a media page because it's going to be an issue for some people because the reality of it is not nice. That's what we need to start um, doing with people is going, you know what? This is real. This isn't some fucking media push. This isn't some, you know, this one trick that wins every fight. Fuck right off. It doesn't happen like that. It's not like that. The McDojos pissed me off the most, but the problem is, is that the, even beyond the, the McDojos and some of the, supposedly good dojos and good gyms seem to perpetuate the same bullshit because it's just the way that you've always taught women. It's not right. You need to teach women the same as you do everybody else. They're no different just because they happen to be female. It doesn't matter. It's, ah. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I feel like you have to teach women even more, right? So- You have to break through that barrier, yeah. The fact that they get less- is so much worse actually, because in my opinion, women actually are going to need additional instruction beyond what the majority of the the male kind of patrons in an establishment will really be interested in, right? And so the fact that women then even get less than them for a variety of reasons that we've covered uh, is hugely problematic because now the gap between their required knowledge and their accessible knowledge is huge compared to men who might be here at required knowledge versus accessible knowledge, right? So all of a sudden we have we have such a bigger gap 
to bridge, right? And there are so many other problems that we have to talk about. And there are so many other things that we have to consider when working with women. And yet women seem to get the least amount of attention, the least amount of programs catered to them, right? The least amount of instruction. And 100% of the time you find women will leave spaces because of those reasons. Yet they are the ones who need to be there the most because statistics have borne out that it is going to really happen to them. And so it is just um, frustrating and mind blowing, especially as someone who really worked a lot with doing specifically women's seminars uh, to see the number of women who said, well, I tried to go to do this thing or, you know, I tried to find a place or that, you know, I went for a few lessons and it just didn't really work for me. Um, and the one thing that I always find that all their experiences have in common are the things that we've been talking about is the fact that the knowledge wasn't really accessible to them. Um, then that the instruction was terrible, because let's be honest, it can be terrible. Um, and that the space that they were trying to learn in was just a series of gatekeepers, right? Making it difficult for them, either shitty, pardon my French, shitty training partners, right? Instructors who are possibly predators themselves, because those of us who spend a lot of time in the martial arts world, we all know that there have been some scandals, right? That have shook some of us from people that we, you know, either had known or worked with or, you know, seen at tournaments or who were big names, you know, in, in certain styles, who, as it turns out, were predators. Um, and so, you know, we have all kind of had to take account, right, of, of those around us in the way that we are, you know, working with our students and working with our peers to make sure that we are the space that we claim to be building. Um, and, and that's really difficult when, the people who are often victimized are sometimes female students, uh, females just generally, and that then, okay, well, how do we then kind of come to terms with the fact that, hey, guess what? Women are the ones who need this self-defense, yet we often fail them the most. Um, how can we reconcile the fact that we need to essentially address how we are instructing women, the curriculum itself, which needs to be modified, as well as dealing with kind of societal traumas surrounding the issue of the victimization of women generally and why they're there in the first place or why they're able to stay or why they can't stay sometimes because of past traumas. Yeah. So it's so much more complex than just like get this woman in here for this, you know, once a month free seminar. And I, you know, I, I recognize that. Um, but at the same way, someone like me doesn't necessarily have uh, the same type of, of legitimacy or credentials, despite all my experience in the real world, in tournaments, in training, as someone who is literally a certified instructor running his own kind of, you know, institution to say, I can make a change here that positively impacts, right, women and their self-defense education. And what I'm not seeing is those instructors stepping up to make the difference for women. So for me, that's frustrating. It's great. I'm so pleased that we're having this conversation. I'm so pleased that we want to like, you know, bring this up, you know, as, as yourself, as a self-defense instructor saying, hey, guess what? This needs to be talked about because kind of universally we're failing women. Mm. We were already failing women as a society. And then as much as, um, and as a feminist myself, you know, I will be somewhat critical right, of, of same feminists who say, well, women should be able to just do all these things. Yes, they should be able to walk to their car in a dark parking lot or by themselves in the middle of nowhere. But guess what? 
the reality bears out that we are not at that point where that is a safe choice for women to make on the whole. And so I'm not saying, obviously, that it is the woman's responsibility to be able to do all of these things herself, because in some ways we have put up institutional barriers that are preventing them from accessing the ability to even learn some of these things that could help them sustain their lives in life threatening situations. Yeah. So how do we break those down? Interesting. I mean, anecdotally for me as well, weirdly, I always find um, female students when you when you teach them properly which potentially i don't but you know in my assumption of teaching probably actually pick the stuff up better one big reason is there's no machismo bullshit because i have from from male students who will always i've literally had a male student after their girlfriend did this move on them and after everybody else was doing it fine literally said yeah but it doesn't work and i'm like they can do it to you everyone else is doing it they had a, a taekwondo background. They just didn't like the fact that the way I did something was different to the, how they've been taught. That's why, you know, a lot of people have it. But actually, I find that men want to fight me or they want to prove that they're a man or that bullshit. Women don't want to do that. Women are there to defend themselves, especially with me, because I don't market myself anymore as martial arts. I market myself as self-defense. So if a woman's turning up to do self-defense with me, um, especially at university, which is a very predatory place in, in general at university, they're turning up to do self-defense. They're not there to try and prove themselves. I think they couldn't give a fuck. They're there because they've been, um, they've been the victim of some trauma or they are worried about some trauma um, or you know, some attack that could cause trauma. So actually I find them a lot more receptive when you teach them properly um in general obviously i have the same issues if they've done martial arts before of not liking because it doesn't make sense but in general um a off the street um guy and an off the street uh, woman the woman's going to do better because they're going to listen they're going to actually go you know what no i don't i don't need to be mr big bollocks i just need to be able to make sure that i can go out tonight and um have a little less anxiety about some fucking asshole attacking me um and that's uh, you know we need to pay attention to, as you say, you missed out on a lot of this. You you weren't allowed to, when you're doing boxing, things like you weren't allowed to progress in the same way as everybody else. Whereas actually, like you've kind of um, said, actually, when you were given the opportunity, you progressed better because you had to rely on technique, rely on everything else. And, you know, this is, it, it becomes muscle memory. It's not like we, we, we suddenly go and, you know, oh, well, this is the move I'm going to do here. It becomes muscle memory. And that's why it has to be harsher. And that's why it has to be consistent, because then it becomes a response rather than a, um, oh, this is a Bourne film. And I have five minutes to think about this fight. You know, that's not how, how it happens. 10 to 30 seconds is a street fight. Um, 10 to 30 seconds. It takes it would take you. Depending on resistance to for me to take um, someone Lee's size to ground and be on top of them around six seconds, um, probably less, because that's just the reality. And so we can't be thinking about anything else. That's why we teach the harshness. That's why I, I repeat about that and teaching like that, because it has to be responsive muscle memory, because we can't just do the women's seminars like you talk about, where it's just like, okay, once a month, we stand there and go, ha, no, it's not, self-defense isn't about soccer mums feeling better. You know, that's not how it fucking works. It's just not. The actual violence is violent. It's traumatic. It's horrendous. And everybody needs to kind of to, to step up to that. Like I say, you need to push people. You need to have that discussion. You need to be under the, uh, the awareness that these are probably people that have had some trauma 
or are worrying about some trauma. So, you know, that needs to be part of everything you think about. Um, If it's not, then either sort it out or only teach men or fuck off out of the industry. Um, that that's just the end of it. You know, if, if you want to teach women with kick gloves all the time, then you have no right to be teaching women because all you're doing is giving them false confidence in that they're going to go out into the world thinking, yeah, this is absolutely fine. And they're going to have, have some serious attack because you've not taught them properly. Um, that's the biggest issue for me. Did you have anything you wanted to kind of round up on there at all or? Yeah, I would just say, um, I do have a, a narrative to share about a friend of mine who has basically refused to ever engage in, in self-defense practices or anything like that ever again. And it was because she had an instructor who, you know, she was going to regular kind of self-defense classes. Um, it was actually at her university. And uh, she thought she was getting good instruction. Okay. And she really believed that, you know, not that nothing would happen to her, but that if something happened, that she would be the friend who you know could kind of help sort things out or she at least would be able to help get them to safely like to safety or through that situation safely okay essentially what had happened was is that on a night out one of their friends had been drugged by roofied with a daybreak drug and you know the other three friends in the group this is a group of all cis females and you know thought well gosh okay our friend is really unwell they've definitely been drugged we've got to get out of here what can we do Right. So um, they basically were told uh, by the bar staff where they were having drinks. This is in a major city here in the UK that they needed to go. Right. They basically the bar staff was treating them as though the drugged friend was simply too intoxicated, despite the fact that they'd only been in the bar for 45 minutes and had three rounds. Um, And, you know, so you're like, how could that even be possible? But we'll leave that there. They just didn't want any responsibility for the situation. That's what happened. And so uh, they were escorted basically out the back door, not even allowed to leave out the front where the queue of people was. Uh, so they're escorted essentially out of this bar slash nightclub area. Um, and they're, you know, they're, they've called essentially um, a driving service. I won't use any names for whatever stupid reason, but they're waiting for the car to arrive to come and collect them. While they are out there, two men, one of whom they believe is the gentleman who essentially had probably drugged the friend, approached them. Um, they're stuck there. They're banging on the door. No one is coming. Um, there were obviously bouncers on the other side of that door, but inside the club, it's extremely loud. They either chose to ignore the situation or genuinely didn't hear it. I can't speak for that. Um, but this friend who thought, gosh, well, don't worry. I'm going to kind of confidently you know, confront these individuals and, you know, tell them that don't, you know, I'm, well, I know my stuff and you can't do anything to us. It was horrendous. Uh, essentially, the outcome of that is that she had her face absolutely smashed. It required facial reconstructive surgery. She had an orbital socket crushed, her nose crushed and her jaw broken. She lost almost all her teeth. Um, another friend had their windpipe collapsed when they were being stomped on by the other gentleman. This is serious violence. This is, we're going to die levels of violence. Mm. Okay. And um, this happened about four years ago. And she has since, you know, since the attack, even though, so obviously she had, you know, reconstructive surgery and everything. She looks completely different now. She's never been the same. She doesn't speak anymore. She has agoraphoria, I guess, which is where she doesn't leave the house. Um, Yeah. She uh, has, you know, is on some really intense, uh, you know, uh, psychiatric drugs to help manage her anxiety um, and PTSD as a result. 
Um, her other friend suffers similarly. Uh, the friend who was roofied, she missed all of it. So I guess that's a blessing. Um, but it was a horrendous occasion where someone who did not take into account the potential consequences of not taking women's self-defense seriously had put some ideas into her head about how that scenario was gonna play out. And that was very different than how the reality of situations like that play out statistically. Yeah. And so as a result, her life was irrevocably changed. And so like literally, obviously from listeners, from what you've gathered from Adam and I, we have zero tolerance and zero patience for people who are not taking women's self-defense seriously, especially those who are instructors. Because my friend is someone who trusted someone, trusted their knowledge and trusted their, their experience and their credentials. And ultimately, they failed her. And they failed her in a way that was life-changing. And so I think for me, the hardest part is, is that as you listen to these anecdotes and you listen to our kind of impassioned pleas, right, for things to be different, for things to change, for people to listen, that, that you realize that this impacts people's lives, right, in, in really severe ways. But it also impacts us in ways that I think we also take for granted and that need to be addressed equally, right? And so in having these discussions where maybe someone listens to this podcast and it makes a difference in how they instruct women, it makes a difference if they maybe open up, you know, a, a women's only class, right, once a week, where just for women to maybe get comfortable and to mm -hmm. have the real discussions, or they bring in a female instructor who is equally qualified. Because guess what, gentlemen, those exist. Um, you know, someone like me, I exist, right? People who have a lot of experience, who have a lot of training, have been tried and tested. You know, I got a drawer full of pointless medals, okay? These are the things where it's just like, I can bear out my training and experience no different than a man. But my experience is also different because how it has happened to me in the real world is going to be different than a male experience for the most part. And yeah. so I, I would just say kind of, for me to wrap all of this up is that it is so important that we change the way that we address women's self-defense and the way that we include them in discussions about self-defense because ultimately they are the ones who are most critically impacted by these issues yeah i mean my i'd make a comment in for self-defense in general that no one should ever i'm sure i am guilty of this in my mind but no one should ever have a situation where they think they can always win um, and I'm, I, I know I've said this to students is that you don't go into a situation assuming you can win. You go into a situation thinking, I'm going to fuck you up. Yeah, you can do that. Like you, you attack me and I'm going to fucking go for it. But you don't go into it assuming that, like you say with your friend, that, oh, I, I'll be that friend. I'll be able to do that. Now, I'm, I'm sure I have been guilty of this because um, newsflash, people in martial arts tend to have fucking egos. We've all had that kind of um thing we've all believed ourselves to be fucking bruce lee at some point i'm sure however the reality is you shouldn't be going in thinking i'm going to win i'm going to be that person because the first thought you should have is i don't want to fucking fight the the easiest way to win a war is not to have the battle it's sun tzu it's very simple and it it's absolutely right 
you know, you don't get into that situation. If you have been taught in a way that tells you, oh, if something happens, I'll be the one to help. That's a fucking problem. You need to be in a situation of um, if I'm put into the situation, I'm the one that's going to find a way out. That's the way it should be put forward. Um, so I think complacency and that level of bullshit is rife within self-defense and martial arts in general. Um, my issue in terms of, as I say, complacency with uh, women is because I think we feed more bullshit to women than we do men because we assume they want to be all, you know, oh, everything's fine. We assume that of, of uh, women in society where the reality is you can't win every fight. You're not, it's not a film. It's not Jason Bourne. You need to get in and get out or just get the fuck out before it, um, anything happens in the first place. doesn't matter who you are. does not matter who the fuck you are. At some point you lose. That's why I always say, if you, if you can go to an instructor um, and this instructor's biggest claim to fame is that they've never lost a fight, the likelihood is they've never been in one. Um, it doesn't matter. An instructor should not be afraid to tell you that they have been knocked down that they have been beaten. It, that's just the fact that they actually know how it feels. If they can't tell you anything like that, I'd walk out because it's fucking pointless. Um, but yeah, we need to change the narrative in general. But I think, like I say, we also need to make sure that that, um, that idea of complacency and feeding of bullshit to women in society on the idea of self-defense really does need to change because at the moment uh, we really do just keep going with the same levels of bullshit and it needs to change so um obviously we've been um, both quite impassioned by that um if you are looking for instructors in your area just make sure that you check um kind of who they are is it just that they've got a flashy website i will say weirdly i always find it that the flashier the website the worse the instructor not all the time just seems to be a weird um weird correlation there um but don't just be taken in because the website is all um, singing or dancing. Have a word with some people. Go along to one session. Just see, maybe sit on the sidelines. If you want to sit on the sidelines, if you go into instructor and say, I just want to watch, and they say, no, just don't fucking go back. Um, go and say, look, can I just watch? Okay, yeah, fine. Absolutely fine. Um, you know, that should be the case, that you can just watch and then maybe join if you want to or something like that. But go and check them out. Have that interaction before you do anything else and just don't rely on youtube and the daily mail's fucking um pages to take everything from because it will not work anyway thank you very much for joining me lee um thank you everyone at home as i say please do like comment and subscribe it just means we can do more with these kind of things get different people in um but uh, we will see you next time thank you very much see you all later